conferences, long agendas, big venues, always on your feet, barely getting to see the people that you want to see, and then, of course, the expense. Well, the three of us at Good Morning Hospitality are launching Good Morning Retreats. Our first retreat is this July 8th through the 10th at the Horse Hospitality Training School in Auburn, Alabama. If you go to goodmorningretreats.com, you'll find out more information about our first retreat that we're launching. We have already filled half the slots. We have 20 available and we have about 13 already filled. So make sure you go there, you apply, show your interest, and we'll get you all situated for our first ever Good Morning Retreat. Thanks so much for tuning into the podcast. And now, back to the episode. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Happy 30th, Brandy. Thank you. Thank you. I've officially crossed over. <laughs> I know. No longer 30 under 30. But no. hey, 30 at, at 30. 30. 30 at 30. That's a, the new 30, list. 30. I like 30 it. 30. Exactly. Exactly. I like it. Well, it's good to have you back on again, too. Uh, we told everyone that you would only be once a month, but you know, here we are two weeks in a row. I know. I know. You've convinced me to come on more than once. So happy to do it. I don't know. Our producer, I was going to say, our producer was talking about the numbers and how great you push them. Mm -hmm. And, you know, Mm -hmm. so (laughs) I figured, you know, it was an easy choice. But no, seriously, it's really good to have you back on. Um, Excited to hang out with you guys next week in person. And we're not going to have this like little wait, where is it at? This little divider between all of our faces will actually be on one screen so it'll be really cool to but on tuesday not monday are we moving it to tuesday okay we are moving it i gotta change my calendar um (laughs) the organization is incredible prime (laughs) it took us like almost all year to figure out that next week on the 19th is our second birthday as well for the show so i know it's so exciting we'll have to i I think we actually will have to do the espresso martinis with the show you'll be on like my home turf it'll be great i think that's what we have to do i'm down for it uh you've twisted my arm to to drink an espresso (laughs) martini on live on live tv i guess so i'm in um but outside of that Great week, great weekend. Anything fun, exciting to report before we jump into this uh, this week's content? Well, I just had a chill weekend, which a chill entry into my thirties. Um, so I'm. It's a nice way to start the week after like actually resting all weekend. <laughs> I like it. I like and it. Nothing too last crazy. Week was a really hectic one. If you want to bring up the first article, we uh, officially launched. So. All sorts of different things happen during launch week, as many listeners on here know, but uh, all very exciting and 
it was wall to wall every day <laughs> and still hey, welcome um, to startup and founder life man it's fun though it it's so fast paced right now um there's so much opportunity that we have to kind of start being selective on which directions we go but uh some cool cool things that hopefully in the next six months or so we can continuously share over uh with our live audience uh i wonder what you're talking about i i can only imagine <laughs> the amazing projects behind the scenes uh that's so good but oh yeah congratulations man and then yeah damien sheridan irish coffees next tuesday i think we're gonna have to do it yeah i think so we can the the type of drink is open open for debate yeah. so 100 percent. well we'll have to do it live in person in miami which is gonna be a brandy's turf and then we have no choice but to do a european tour travel mm -hmm. of castles we have to check out the brand you know we can only take your word for as much as you say right like we have to actually experience it I'm, so i've done a show live from uh one of our properties you have you back know in july yeah but still we yeah, did yeah, it. we have to see it if, if we're gonna <laughs> promote it we have to be a hundred percent confident yeah that's you know, it's, well it's free. uh free, free press as soon as our producer <laughs> flips the bill for us to get out there then let's go yeah <laughs> we are looking for sponsors <laughs> <laughs> Delta, uh, Delta? yeah, Delta, Delta Airlines. I love it. Well, um, sweet. Well, congratulations again. Happy birthday to Brandy. You two are crushing. You guys have a had a great week. Um, pretty chill on my end. Just you know, traveled to Orlando. And that was about it. So nothing too crazy. But uh, we have a cool topic. Um, I think not that I think I know we've discussed it before, but this is gonna be the first time with Brandy actually partaking in the conversation because. We've had Michael Ross, who was a, uh, who is a founder and CEO of uh, Bidroom. He, you know, covers all things subscription and membership. Uh, we joked about him being the the you know Jeff Bezos or the Elon Musk of subscription. Uh, so we've had this conversation on the show before, uh, but it's an interesting twist, I think, with you know the recent, I guess, coverage from Focus Wire and all this other stuff. So. We want to jump in. Michael looked like he had something to say. No. <laughs> <laughs> you had that face. I know it. <laughs> no, Ross always wanted to talk subscription travel. So that now that we're <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Now that he's not on the show anymore, we're just bringing it up again. I love <laughs> it. Uh, go ahead, Brandy. Yeah, I, I'm. We were talking earlier. I feel like this is similar to the digital nomad trend. Like it feels very similar to that kind of vibe where like yes it could be some people could really benefit from it and use it and really like the experience but i think that in re in practice it's not a sustainable business model or at least it's it have to be very niche and mm -hmm. i they they give, they give the examples of i think what like triple a and um priority pass mm -hmm. and so yeah i guess i don't know if i would count triple i guess triple a does some travel things but i don't know if that's what, it, what comes to mind when you think like subs travel subscriptions. Um, and so I would just be curious to see how this would evolve because one thing I've just anecdotally noticed from my personal life is like all of a sudden you accumulate all of these subscriptions and it's like, yeah. why, why do you have all of these and do you really need it? If people, I think some of us take a lot of vacations just because of the industry that we're in. But if you're just the average person who's taking maybe one or two vacations a year, like, do you really, is that really necessary? You know, 
Um, so I guess it would really depend on what the core product is, but I think there's a difference between you like having like a quip toothbrush subscription and then having like a travel subscription. So, yeah. Yeah. I think what, what you've seen be somewhat successful if you follow the stock ticker, it's not the most successful, but, uh, in terms of travel subscriptions, Inspirato is about as recognizable as it gets, but that only plays in the high net worth individual category that can take more than two weeks off a year. Right. Um, what to me is a missed opportunity for a lot of these travel subscription companies is the B2B play. Because mm-hmm. if Delta had a subscription partnership with Deloitte and all of their consultants that are flying around every week, every month, every whatever, uh, that basically buys their loyalty and maybe they give them a 20% discount on all flights booked. You know, those types of subscriptions make sense where you're essentially buying loyalty. Um, But the average Joe staying somewhere one week a a year, uh, that's called a timeshare. Like that model has existed for 60 years. Uh, It's quite lucrative because they're often overpriced and underutilized. So the subscription model on paper if you're a novice investor looking at a, a business, it looks like a home run, right? You, you can scale into oblivion with a travel subscription where maybe it's $1,000 a month. That's a ton of money. And you get, you know, on paper, you draw, draw your metrics to 20 million subscribers. Yeah, it looks great. But <laughs> yeah. the, the reality is far from it. And, you know, scaling the mass market subscription travel spaces yet to be seen. Uh, I do think, I do think it, there are plays that can work, but it's going to be directly with people that have giant footprints that can fit, they can fill needs on leisure business, you know, a Marriott, a Delta, a Hilton, you know, American, like they fly a lot of places. There's a lot of options on, on places to stay. And, you know, it could be a perk for, a company's employees too, if they have this, you know, ubiquitous 20% off subscription, uh, they can use it for their personal trips as well, which would be a, a nice little perk. Well, then at that point, it's not really like a subscription. It's really just a partnership between mm-hmm. two huge companies. And But I would agree that would be a pretty sweet perk, a good incentive to work for a company like that. I know hey, for my you're buying, you're buying your future revenues and discounts, right? Like mm-hmm. you give us a thousand bucks a month and we'll give you 20% off, which, you know, it in many cases would probably pencil for Deloitte employees. Yeah. Well, let's say I know for a lot of like the conversation we were having behind the scenes, a lot of us do work, not like us in general, but the industry vacation rental operators or even any type of sales usually you kind of work on some kind of commission structure rather than a subscription. Um, I think the part about it I like about the subscription and you, you guys are totally right. I don't think it's, it's, just, it's not possible to be in mass, you know, consumer behavior. Uh, but I think for the specific niche categorized or the specific, you know, quote unquote avatar um, it's a, it's a good fit if it's you know beneficial 
the one thing from an operation standpoint is I think you can only reach a certain cap. Like I would love to know that I have a set guaranteed revenue coming in from subscriptions, but then that also kind of limits kind of my ceiling of where I can hit versus, you know, if I had a mix of commission and subscription um, for me, that means my commission structure could still, you know, can continue to grow and grow and grow um, versus I feel like the subscription model, like again, it only fits a certain, you know, demographic that, wouldn't be able to really scale, like you said, to 20 million users or whatever. But um, that's just kind of my opinion. Well, I have a mix of both. Brandy, does Sextant do <laughs> partial guarantees with upsides? Potentially. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and of course. So that's not uncommon, but I don't know. Yeah, I think I, I don't know how I, well, I was thinking about this article. There's you can kind of like massage the definition of subscription into any of these different like definitions that we've given so far. But I was thinking about some of the subscriptions that I have and kind of what their equivalent would be in this space. And I just don't like what's something, you know, what is the subscription that they're, you know, that we're going for in the travel space? Is it you belong to this hotel group and you get, you know, this four days a month, every month for this price? Is that the subscription? Is it like a perk, like the priority pass, which I'm pretty sure everyone just gets for free now with their credit cards? Like, I, like what is like, I can't, I'm having a hard time imagining what like the actual product would be for the regular consumer and not like the airline to Deloitte, mm -hmm. you know, version. Yeah. I mean, it, it, you have to have a company that has massive scale for it to be attractive. Mm -hmm. Like yeah. Yeah. Sextant couldn't do a subscription unless it's a, you know, a business that is split between Orla uh, uh, Miami and New, New Orleans, Orleans <laughs> New Orleans and Miami. Yeah. Um, so, I, you know, it, there's only a few companies in the world that could even offer yeah. an attractive subscription. But, you know, if, if I, I don't spend $12,000 a year on Delta, but if Delta had a thousand dollar a month membership, that's, you know, two trips a month and you can do like two or three international trips a year, I'd, I'd probably sign up for it and they'd squeeze more revenue out of me. I would mm -hmm. use it more, but that's, that's kind of the draw for someone who's looking at doing a subscription model to squeeze more revenue to get what Will is saying that guaranteed, like we can take this to wall street and say, we have $600 million guaranteed coming in every month on top of all of our bookings. Yeah. Uh, and then as a traveler, it, it's something you would utilize. And there's just not too many scenarios that that makes sense. You know, if Verbo did it. People only do one or two big vacations a year where they're going to book a Verbo property. Right. Mm -hmm. um, so again, it, it probably makes a lot more sense on the business travel side of things than it does on the leisure side. Let's say for, for, I kind of want to ask this question to our live viewers right now, but you know, do you think there's anything like subscription wise that you would use? And then the question for you guys is, you know, going into kind of some past conversations that we've had, we even had an, an episode called like great in theory, but not practical or something like that. Um, and do you think like Airbnb, like let's say Airbnb has a massive audience. They have tons of eyeballs on them every month. Would they ever come up with a monthly membership fee where it's like, Hey, you're a traveler on Airbnb. 
you pay, say, 500 bucks a month or less. It gives you even 100 bucks a month. 100 bucks a month, and this gets you X, Y, and Z perks. Um, just like how the way I think about it is like, you know, Marriott's um, Bonvoy membership or their points, uh, that converts into dollars on the hotel or the operator side, but not the rate or ADR or any of the rack like pricing that they have um, on the back end. Like when I was a front desk agent, someone redeemed like I think it was 40,000 points and that equaled to like $65 uh, per night pricing or per rate uh, for us, which sucked because like we were we were doing like killer numbers outside of that one, but he had the points and it converted to that dollar amount. So do you think Airbnb or any type of like platform with, with that type of audience would ever go into that, you know? Um, kind of I really route? hope not. <laughs> <laughs> um, because yeah, for exactly that reason. And I mean, I think this is where it becomes that gray area is like, are you, is it, you know, if you're, I could see Airbnb maybe doing like loyalty points, kind of like the Bonvoy members and then those convert to cash. I think that makes more sense. Um, but yeah, it, I think it gets tricky when your supplier, like Airbnb isn't the supplier. So you have to kind of contend with, with that aspect. Um, but I so mean, whenever, I see- whenever, whenever they ever can see a, <laughs> yeah. given it into the supplier. Right. Don't get Brandy started again I this know, week. I know. I, know, no, I, I just, <laughs> Fire up, fire up. Um, I actually do think someone's going to do it. And I'll tell you who I would put money on that it is. Be careful. You lost your house last time you put money on something. Yeah, true. (laughs) Um, I still have it though. Okay. Um, Hopper is all into these various fintech products and trying things out like price freeze or, uh, you know, pay as you go is, not a new concept, but adding it to a platform uh, is probably helpful for the mass audience. So if anyone's going to do it, my money would be on Hopper to, and, and I would probably guess they're already working on models and things like that. Um, will it work? <clears throat> I don't know. Is are, are the Hopper users the right demographic? Probably. Um, you know, younger folks with less income, theoretically speaking, would be more on a fixed budget and the more, you know, more subscription uh, susceptible people that would, uh, a subscription makes more sense for. So uh, I do think it, I do think a big brand will try it. Airbnb had kind of talked about it for a long time. Mm -hmm. I think it'd be a disaster if Airbnb did it, quite frankly, just because so many different properties, so many different pricing schemes. Um, yeah, I know all of the hotels complain about different uh, loyalty programs and how it's just a nightmare for hotels. Mm-hmm. Imagine doing that across millions of individual hosts. Yeah. yeah, like the the logistics of all of that. You have like someone who just like rents out their place for a couple weeks a year and like them to, you know, big operators i think just dealing with the that would just be a logistical nightmare getting everybody on board having terms that everybody agrees to i would mean i would be incredibly unhappy if someone was able to book like new year's eve in miami for 65 dollars a night yeah so um you know yeah yeah i on our end like we're a smaller like compared to sex and we're a very small management company but like i would love to have like our loyalists guests that like stay at our snow cabin in the winter and then our seattle you know 
big like waterfront property and our other like kind of like local property i would love to have them like pay a thousand dollars a month just to get you know into these like preferred properties that they love staying at before uh, versus like lo- i don't know losing out on the dynamic pricing tool that we're paying money for to like actually jack up a race so we actually make more money um so it's kind of like a again a pro and a con in my head just like it'd be great in theory to have like it for the slow months especially when you're you're not driving as much traffic but like you said I think New Year's Eve and like all the other stuff, like I would want to block out and make sure that our, you know, revenue tools are doing their thing on the back end as well as us kind of watching the market and seeing what other property competitors are doing just to ensure that high, high revenue. But yeah, it's a little mix of mix of both. Um, sweet. Good stuff. Another, uh, another article came out. Uh, so more regulation, uh, more conversation around affordable housing and why uh, limiting short-term rentals um, is kind of big on the docket. So Brandy, you kind of mentioned this in our group chat. I want you to kind of take the lead on, on yeah, what you've seen. Yeah. It's a really, I just, like I mentioned kind of before where this is a very nuanced conversation that I think, and those nuances get lost all the time. And so it's, you know, there are some communities like the article mentions um, ocean city, New Jersey, I think maybe these towns that don't have a big housing supply anyways are feeling these effects. And I've seen that, you know, anecdotally, my family has a place in the Adirondacks in upstate New York and there, you know, that's an entire region that's built off of people going up for, you know, seasonal vacations. But you're finding that the local housing supply is also now being used for short-term rentals or people coming up for the summer, whatever it is. And I think there is happening there is what's happened around the country is there's just a backlash to all STRs without really thinking about what that means when your entire local economy is built off of people vacationing. So I think my uh, plea is always like rational and reasonable regulation, because obviously you need to have a workforce that can afford to live there to, you know, support that entire like the logistics of that economy. But I don't think that that happens because people, it's, it's very emotional. People can't, are getting, you know, priced out of where they've lived forever. So that is, that's tricky. But then, you know, when you go into more urban areas, um, I think that that changes a bit. Not that I'm biased at all, <laughs> um, but you know, like there, there's obviously going to be more supply, right? So I think that that conversation changes and it's also different depending like, New York, obviously incredibly tight housing market, but, um, in new Orleans, it's not like there's, it's, so it's, it obviously just depends. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm with you on like the really small destination markets. Uh, I know the outer banks on Saturdays in the summer buses people in for mm-hmm. turns and maintenance from two or three hours away. Living in the outer banks, you know, is probably unaffordable to most people anyway. But when these arguments come up in New York City, citing affordable housing, it's laughable. <laughs> yeah, like, I, the my office in New York City would probably cost two thousand dollars a month. Oh, you know, yeah, laughable. Uh, <laughs> so they're just pointing the finger and trying to blame people for their terrible policies of limiting more construction or insanely high taxes. Uh, I'm not going to go down the political rabbit hole too much, <laughs> but. 
these are a lot of times self-inflicted and it's a supply and demand thing. Mm-hmm. You know, San Francisco, there's laws that you can't build higher than, you know, two or three or four stories. It's stupid. Like you want to talk affordable housing, let people build high rises, um, not blame Airbnb and short term rentals for all of your problems. So, well, it's a really, it's a really convenient scapegoat. Like it's just, it's like, you know, obviously there's this big, there's a, and Airbnb now gets the brunt of all of the STR complaints. Mm -hmm. It's like, I feel like, you know, booking.com and Verbo, these other companies are probably like, thank God, because they're not the, (laughs) they're not the ones that are getting dragged through the mud all the time. Well, Airbnb is the redheaded stepchild. I feel like it's like, oh, we'll just blame it on that kid. He's the one that's. Yeah, he's the loudest in the family, so we're gonna just let him take all the blame. Will and I are used to it. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, it is going to continue to be part of the conversation, and I think it's really interesting in our industry. We have you know the whole range of geographic locations, so the like the reasoning behind some of the regulation in, you know, like Tahoe, for example, is different from, you know, what it's like in Miami, you know, but it all it comes down to people. I think the, the a will to have rational conversations has kind of gone out the window. Everything is very knee jerk. Everything is emotional. Um, and it's very clickbaity. And yeah. I think it's just the pendulum is swinging too far from, which is, I mean, how things happen a lot of times, but yeah. um, it could do a lot of damage if they don't have like to their own economies. So, yeah. Well, I was thankful to like, cause a couple of weeks ago at the favor event um, or the Florida Alliance for vacation rentals uh, conference that uh, was, yeah, a couple of weeks ago. Um, I got to interview Senator Kelly Stargell, who was really like having this big conversation on or her, I guess more of her um, keynote or just presentation panel was around regulation, how this all works and kind of like the legislature side of like the, I guess the, the non-biased side, right? Um, what was that? Um, <laughs> was it, was it Brandy? Or is it Michael? I was going to say, I, I figured it'd be Michael. Man. Um, but she was talking on the legislation side and like kind of what it takes to really get these conversations going. And it really does, like as hard as it, as easy as it sounds, it's not easy. Um, and it's around like being emo- less emotional when it comes to these conversations because both sides are very passionate. And it's not just two-sided. There's like 400 plus sides around this conversation. But um you know, I think the regulation point of the less emotion you can be and the more logistic you can be and like actually just bringing the facts and like data, which like we have tons of providers in the industry that are able to supply us. So like I think from a, a regulatory standpoint and like a legislation standpoint, the more like operators, yes, hosts, big PMs You're- need to be involved. But I, let me finish my thought is just uh, that. I think the tech side needs to get on too because they have the data. They have the numbers that show like AirDNA does a lot of advocacy work because they have the numbers. They they can show it. Um, I would love to see, you know, noise companies and and property management software is getting involved as well. Like obviously they are involved, but just bringing that more as a kind of a, Hey, here's the actual numbers rather than here's a passionate host who rents out their, you know, short-term rental or their vacation home or their third bedroom uh, a couple of weeks a year. So. Now you can go, Michael. You're not wrong. Logic should play a large role in policy. Sadly, it doesn't. 
Yeah. So you have to present the logical arguments, but you also have to bring in the emotional plays, which is why an Airbnb does a big, uh, Airbnb does a decent job at this, telling the stories of, you know, single moms who make rent because of uh, renting out their extra bedroom on Airbnb. You have to tell the stories you know, rent responsibly has a whole like storytelling section of of their policy just because emotion is what sells emotion is why people vote in certain ways um logic people justify their emotions with logic so they're gonna anchor on to whatever logical bullet they think is justifies their emotional decisions uh so i would i would say yes get data out there but don't forget to tell stories along the way well it makes sense because you're part of the story collection but uh <laughs> i was gonna, the the big thing from her point and just to clarify was that people get too emotional and they don't bring any logistics to the table so it's more or less like i would just say yeah just stop going in there because they don't care like at the end of the day like if they do care but like they don't care enough if you're just going to yell and complain um like they're not going to hear like on the legislation side they're not going to hear it it's just straight if you hear someone non-stop complaining and pointing fingers and really just being kind of irrational they're going to tune you out and they're going to listen to the other side that does bring the data and the the numbers and maybe some stories as well but logistically i think from a from a government standpoint they don't they're not going to care that it's just a story. They they need to see both stories and the numbers behind it. So, yeah, but politicians like to tell stories too. So you have to give them the story and let them retell it. Yeah, you have to be a salesman. You have to really, you know, at, like with anything, you have to be convincing of your point. So it is that kind of balance between story and data. Yeah. Um. Sweet. We're just. Ended it perfectly on time too. I think uh, that's the first. It's like we're pros at this. I know <laughs> we finally got our thirty-minute conversations down. Um, any uh, exciting things you guys have coming up this week before we wrap it up? No, I'm just excited for. I'm about to go back into like a mini conference season, so I'm excited to see you guys in person next week. Yeah, yeah getting ready. I got Miami. Yeah, yeah got to get my body ready for. Late, late nights. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's all about like rest and prepare yourself, channel like 22 year old Michael, you know. <laughs> oh, that'd be a disaster. Nobody wants to be 22 year old Michael. <laughs> 27, you know, get yeah, up to my go. level. We'll Better. be good. We'll be good. Uh, yeah, sweet. Can't wait to see you guys at the Book Direct show. And then, Brandy, I'll also see you at VRMA. Unfortunately, Michael, uh, unless you change your mind, are you going to VRMA? Unless uh, GMH is sponsoring any trips, I don't believe so. so. Nice. All right. Sweet. I'll talk to the producer about it. We'll, we'll yeah. see what we can do. See what kind of budget we have. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, sweet. Well, super excited. See you guys at the Book Direct show. Uh, for anyone who's listening or watching live, I will make sure there's a link in the comments. Uh, so you have to go find it either on the live uh, for the replay or you can go to Spotify, Apple, and find the link there. And then, of course... We'll see you all again next week. I probably should let Jamie know that we're going to move it to Tuesday because I also didn't let him know. But He can be uh, down there though, right? 
I have to confirm, but if not, we'll at least get him at VRMA. So we'd always switch. You know, watching the show be planned live. I love it. Um, yeah. <laughs> awesome. Behind the scenes well, action. <laughs> seriously, behind the scenes on 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 the camera. Uh, <laughs> great. Well, good episode, you guys. There's probably a lot more this will carry on to and more conversations. So looking forward to it. And see you all again next week. Mm-hmm.